0: hey, this is Doug Turnbull, cold open here to the 5 to Go Racing Podcast. And the mood here in Daytona is very somber and conflicted. I'd say those are the two words. Because on one hand, the Daytona 500 ended with a fairly spectacular finish and really played out well over the second half and, until the wrecks started happening. There were a lot of good racing, a lot of drama. But, of course, the sport, after Denny Hamlin's back-to-back wins here in the Daytona 500 has got its mind somewhere else, and that's obviously with Ryan Newman, the driver of the number six Coke Industries Ford for Roush Fenway Racing. At the time of my recording this, all we know and all that anybody is saying is that Newman was rushed from the scene of his fiery airborne crash across the start-finish line that put him across the line ninth to nearby Halifax Medical Center, the place that unfortunately a lot of drivers have gone in the past including one Dale Sr. One difference in those modes is that the ambulance trip for Newman was coded and up to speed, which means they're rushing over there. Whereas opposed to if it were a lot worse on the scene, there wouldn't be a need to rush. Besides that, a lot of this is speculation. NASCAR is being very protective of Newman's wrecked vehicle. The race team that I could tell anyway is gone. And there is a lot of uncertainty. A lot of the media regulars, the regular beat writers for NASCAR are en route or already at Halifax Medical Center. I'm walking now through the garage and there really isn't any kind of laughing or chuckling. And very early in Denny Hamlin's victory lane celebration when word got to him that things could be worse than just a nasty hit, that turned a few notches down as well and I just went by Victory Lane moments ago. Again, this is already over an hour, hour and a half after the race, and Hamlin's Victory Lane celebration not being played over the widespread track PA system, and you can tell that he's going through the motions. Though happy he won the race, just don't know what the result was, and Hamlin hooked up with Ryan Newman there late in the race and really almost did a tandem draft to get out ahead of the pack. Then, of course, as things unfolded, Hamlin was the one that ends the race out front with Ryan Blaney second. Ryan Blaney gave Newman the whale of the push there to try to get them out in front of Hamlin toward the end, and it was their bumpers locked together that sent Newman upside down, twisting and wrenching through the air, landing in fiery impact. looked like Corey LaJoy's car was one of the first to hit Newman, and... Fox cut away from its coverage pretty soon after. I watched this race, by the way, on pit road the entire time, right between the William Byron pit stall and Austin Dillon's. They had an open pit stall there right at the start-finish line. Byron, by the way, crashed out of the race early there on the off the end of the front bumper of Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., and finished dead last here in the Great American Race. Of course, I'd love to hear you all's thoughts out there on how the Daytona 500 transpired, finished, think I haven't mentioned yet that this race is only the second in history to have run on a Monday. The 2012 500 won by Matt Kenseth also rain pushed that late into Monday night there eight years ago. And here we are getting later and later to the evening. And while the race has been decided, very little else has been about the condition of Brian Newman. And by the time this publishes, we may know a lot more. But I just thought I should leave some thoughts down right here as we process what Started off what seems like a week ago now with President Donald Trump, First Lady Melania Trump, sending the weekend into motion with a quick speech and the command to start the engines. And then before we even saw a green flag, rain pushed back the start of the race, about 45 minutes, a quick shower. Then 20 laps will run with Ricky Stenhouse on the pole. Oh, Ricky Stenhouse is on the pole. And unfortunately, well... It, the rain came back again and delayed the race even more to where they had just gotten the track dry dinner time Sunday evening and then monsoon opened up drenching the crews everybody's clothes were wet I had to do laundry in my hotel and it pushed everything to a beautiful Monday race although it was hot Monday it just certainly was very much a day that seemed to be beautiful and there were no weather interruptions on Monday. The racing seemed to unfold about as expected where there are times that the drivers would ride around and then at the end of the stage breaks they'd really shake it up. And then of course as the race ended, uh, before the last set of pit stops, my goodness there was intense, sometimes three wide racing through the pack and then the big one struck when Brad Keselowski got, tried to thwart a block it seemed like or got bumpers misaligned with Eric Almirola. Eric Almirola, huge push from Kislowski's teammate, Joey Logano. Logano, remember, really drew the ire of Kislowski from how he was being aggressive in the clash. And Logano was aggressive again today. The thing that really did Logano win was not of his own doing. That was getting caught up in the Ryan Priest-Ross Chastain mess there toward the end of the race. And this race ended with a couple of overtimes. And, again, Denny Hamlin at Victory Land. There are a lot of things to unpack. I do want to give a toast out to some of the drivers you maybe didn't expect to have a wonderful finish. David Reagan finished fourth there and a car that was heavily damaged in some of the big wrecks of the night. That was David Reagan at fourth, and you, you saw some others, even Newman, in the ninth. So with that, I'm going to leave you with an interview with David Reagan, who was very thoughtful to us and spent a lot of time just giving us uh, – a lot of thoughts about the sport. Very candid, and I don't want to say any more about it because you'll hear it. And then following Reagan, I'm going to give you a thoughtful interview with Corey LaJoy. We had less time to spend with him, but LaJoy almost didn't make the race today. Well, he, made, he qualified, but LaJoy almost didn't, didn't uh, fire his engine because they had moisture in the car after the heavy rain Sunday night. So a couple things to look into there and listen for us. So here's David Reagan and Corey LaJoy, and our thoughts and prayers with Ryan Newman here. For Eric Von Hessler, Dan Elliott, this is Doug Turnbull on the 5 to Go podcast leaving you again with David Reagan and Corey LaJoy. Okay, I love when we get to do this once or twice a year at least, sitting down with David Reagan. And every time I've done this before, David has been running for the championship, preparing for the next week, the start of the season, oh, what's next, and the new car, and blah, blah, blah. But, but now, Dave, uh, you are right three weeks younger than me, get to, get to look at, and I'm not using the R word, but look at a less full-time schedule. So how does it feel coming to the opening of the season where everybody's brimming with optimism and talking about the next 37, 38 weeks, and you are not having to worry as much about that?
1: Yeah, it feels refreshing uh, to be in, in Daytona and just have to worry about Daytona. You know, I've come down to race at Daytona for... A full-time schedule for about 15 years now, uh, over a couple of different series, and so <clears throat> a lot of times you're 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 worried about getting a good run at Daytona because it's kind of a tone setter for the rest of the season, but you're also. Already working on your downforce cars, getting ready for the next couple of races. Uh, how's your your team going to stack up? How's your pit crew going to stack up? So you've already got a lot of things to work through, but this weekend it's just about Daytona. Uh, so it is nice and a little refreshing, that I have those other things to worry about. The pressure is still on to run well and try to go win the Daytona 500. I feel like we've got a car and a team that can do it, but it's fun to uh, to just be here and be a little more relaxed and just worry about Daytona
0: it must be nice and I guess you had an off season then that was probably more relaxing too what what did you do between homestead and this weekend that you all announced in the middle of the off season
1: yeah, really, just hung around the house a lot. We didn't take any big trips. Uh, we do have a lot of stuff that's filling up the calendar this summer, You know, knowing that I'm not going to be at the racetrack every weekend. We're able to go do some more traditional-type you know, vacations and, and see some family and do things that I haven't been able to do the last 15 years of my life. So, uh, yeah, we, we hung around the house, and it was kind of a normal off-season. I tied up some loose ends with the race shop uh, around my office some, obviously getting ready for Daytona. There's some NASCAR things that I needed to do. So, you know, all in all, it was a quick and smooth off-season. I was excited to be able to come down to Daytona and uh, kind of be in, in the fold for these first couple of races down here. And then um, I'll let everybody get to business on the West Coast, and I'll stay on the East Coast. There you go.
0: Now, you, you're talking about some preparations making around the race shop, and then – that this isn't your final career race right so what what are you looking to do what what is the ideal race schedule for you i know you're not trying to make any breaking news announcements here today but what what would this be is it sort of like brendan Gahn and the labani brothers have done in the past come run some plate races or what else
1: yeah, I think my ideal schedule would be to run a little bit of everything. Run a, a cup race, maybe a truck race, uh, an ARCA race or two, a late model race, uh, a couple of Legends car races. I think that would be uh, would be fun. I'd love to run the 24 Hours one day. Sunday, I saw you down there. I don't. I have. I was surprised to see you with sports cars. <laughs> yeah, you know that's something that's always. Been interesting to me. I've followed along from a distance. I think they've got a, a great series, and obviously Daytona, uh, you know, kicks off their season uh, in the IMSA series, and and with NASCAR owning. Uh, the IMSA series, uh, that's a good connection. And yeah, that's that's a lot of great racers and a lot of cool cars are over there. So uh, yeah, if I could run, you know, five or six, seven races between three or four different series, that would be ideal. Uh, I'm going to be busy with the Ford Performance team working on the 2021 Mustang. So that's going to really keep me busy throughout the year. Uh, What
0: what will your role be in that process? I was going to ask you about the new car and, and how you fit into that. So what are you doing with Ford Performance that you could say anyway? <laughs>
1: yeah, so I'm just going to be testing uh, the, the 21 car for uh, for Ford and, and trying to build a foundation of, of information and uh, design some Uh, aero maps and and get our uh, our car tuned up so when the the race teams get this car late in the season of 2020 uh, they'll get off to a good start and then obviously some development over the even the next off season in the next year so just trying to uh to to do what i can for those guys i'll be on the simulator a little bit and really just running through a lot of different things that you have when you have a brand new race car
0: now look looking at your life what when did the idea of re- not retirement but stepping away from full-time competition enter your mind, and then what were people that were maybe happy around you's reaction? We were like, oh, no, 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 we're going to run Daytona?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've thought about it off and on the last three or four years. Just, you know, when my time frame was that I needed to commit more to my family, uh, you know, I, I decided to get married. I decided to have kids, and I think that you can't be – a hundred percent in in family and a hundred percent in racing someone's got to suffer a little bit and so you know i think my my wife has has been able to pick up the slack when i've been gone but uh, as my kids get a little older they're busier and they've got more stuff going on they're growing you know physically and and intellectually so uh that they're learning and being involved in more stuff and i knew the bottom line was i knew that if i concentrated a hundred percent on my racing career my family life would suffer so i just wasn't ready to uh, to, to make make that uh, that, that move uh, on, on my family side. So it, it was an easy decision to, to step away. And I think that, um, you know, as far as, as me still being able to race a little bit and be around the sport, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I feel like I can put my family first and, and be home with them, but also have, you know, a job and, and presence in the garage that I can still have some fun and, and make a living uh, doing what I love.
0: What is... Um... The thing you're going to miss the most about coming here and being full-time?
1: Yeah, probably just taking that green flag on Sundays. Uh, I will not miss hopping on airplanes. I will not, you know, yeah. miss the, uh, the the different traveling and the rainouts and the delays and some of the other uh, functions that, that that go with uh, driving a race car. Um, but I will miss hopping in on Fridays and practicing, hopping in on a Saturday morning and going to qualify. And certainly when the race starts on uh, Sunday morning. I'll, I'll miss taking that green flag, but yeah, I'm not going to miss the, the, the bad days and the ill handling race cars and the part failures and the accidents. So uh, a lot of, a lot of the, the disappointments, I won't miss that.
0: Yeah, that's uh, the disappointments and the grind. That seems to be what most drivers would say. One thing I've noticed, Dave, and you know, I follow you on social media quite a bit and love sharing your stuff with, with my, my following as well is I've noticed especially I feel like this Speed Weeks but maybe even into last season before you being a little more vocal and opinionated and you've always been so gracious with the media but I, I noticed during the Clash for instance you wrote three reasons why they're driving like this and it was more blunt than I've heard you be maybe in the past a- am I am I right noticing that now that you're not full time you can be a l- have a little more candor and are you doing that with another cause in mind like another like broadcasting or something?
1: Well I, I think that I've tried to respect the the sponsors that I've represented, the teams that I've represented, and, and certainly the manufacturers that I've represented in the past. Uh, whether I like it or not, I, I was the, the center of attention a lot of times and, and, and had a brand. And I, uh, I, I do think that there was a lot of times I just didn't say what my opinion was or very uh, kind of middle of the ground because whenever you have an opinion, you're going to make someone mad. And I counted on a lot of people to sponsor my race cars, to pull, you know, for our race team, to work on our race cars. And if I was very opinionative, uh, some people wouldn't like that, and I think that would have disrupted things and, and been a little bit uncomfortable for some of the people that I've associated with. But the more independent that I become, and I don't rely and count on those people for my livelihood, I can be a little more opinionative. So I'm still not going to. Uh, be be super uh, aggressive and, and crazy, but I do think that that uh, there's uh, there, there's a lot of, of opinions that I'd, I'd love to start a conversation and help educate people because there there's so many boneheads and, and jerks on on social media and uh, and a lot of just scumbags that that don't know what they're talking about and they say comments and they're completely wrong, but people believe them because you just don't know, you know. And that's the worst thing about social media is it's given uninformed and uneducated and and really just morons, it's given them a voice. And that's a shame because people that don't know what they're talking about uh, I wish they wouldn't say much about it but that that's uh infiltrated the whole world that we live in and you you, you can't believe anything that you see online so I try not to Dave I yeah. try not to well, when, when, when I do have a a strong opinion on something and I believe that I, that I know what's going on I do want to say uh say that so hopefully I can help educate some people so yeah I, you will see me I'll voice my opinion a little more, but but I will make a, a, a stance. Whenever I don't count on anyone to make a living, and I'm I'm fully retired, I will not be on social media because I am not a fan of it. And you will see me check out completely.
0: Oh man, I'm going to miss yeah. those days. Yeah, okay, so you'll, especially you'll have to now.
1: do the old school. You'll have to come knock on my door, or call my cell phone if you want to talk to me because okay, I am not I, yeah I, I'm not a fan of social media.
0: <laughs> well, you do a really good job giving people a kind of like Jimmy Johnson has stepped it up with some little vignettes and stuff. You do yeah. a good job. Was that your idea or was that a sponsor's idea? Who, who said, hey, Dave, look, man it's your twilight yeah. here let's let's let the fans in
1: yeah i think i just need to do it i, I mean it's something that, is, as much as i don't like that that's the world we live in and, and people want to know what, what's going on and yes i owe it to my sponsors and again as long as i'm dependent upon people sponsoring my race car and me having a job to go race i think that's an, a necessity uh if i were getting ready to run another 10 full-time seasons I, I would hire a full-time social media person right now to do all my my work for me huh? and that's what jimmy and brad and a lot of those guys that are very active you know that they've got two or three people that they're spending thousands of dollars a year managing their social media accounts and so I didn't want to make that investment because I'm not going to be be full-time and be around that long but uh, no I just think that the fans deserve it and that the people do Uh, uh, so I I just I just kind of got I I finally got around to doing it and and just needed to do a better job of it.
0: I think a lot of people do appreciate that despite you not being the ones they always turn to, like a Jimmy Johnson or a Brad. I think people do. Hey, what do you think? Uh, and I just mean in terms of you know, number of fans and all that stuff. What do you think uh, your legacy is in the sport? Or do you feel a sense of duty to it, even when your years removed from it, as far as giving back?
1: Well, I, the sport's been very good to me and my family, so uh, I didn't want to. Leave and think the sport owed me something. Uh, The sport doesn't doesn't owe me anything. Uh, The NASCARs provided a a job for me for the last 15 years, and motorsports in general. My family's made a living in motorsports for the last 50 years, and so uh, this is a a great sport. I've had a lot of fun making a lot of good memories, and and I hope that I'm remembered as as a good race car driver, but as a better person. Um, You know, I I don't want my legacy to only be what, what happened on the racetrack because what happens on the racetrack it comes and goes and records are broken and uh the, the trophies are thrown away and rotted away and the money spent so a lot of that stuff is gone but but the impact that you leave on people and kind of how you made them feel and the things that you're able to do for charities and kids that all uh means a lot well i see your wife calling there so i might ought to let you go yeah huh? i'll pause it just to see what she wants real quick all right,
0: so we were just talking about your legacy, Dave, and there you go. Devotion to family, all right? You answered uh, yeah. the call for, yeah, right. for Jacqueline. and Is she down here at the race this weekend? Or? Yeah,
1: my, my wife and girls came down on Friday. They stayed through school, and, uh, yeah, it's great to have them uh, down here and, and being able to, to watch. My girls are still young, so they don't really – know what's going on on the racetrack, but yeah, you want to create some memories and let them, you know, see some neat things around the racetrack.
0: Well, what's something cool that they may get to see that they might remember then?
1: Well, I think they love the the Goodyear blimp. That's probably the thing they enjoy seeing the most. My girls love airplanes and helicopters, and so uh, just last night with the blimp rolling around, they, they love to see that. You know, they love to go over to the beach for a few minutes, uh, and just the people in the stands and, and, and everything going on, they... It's neat for them to see that. You know, young kids, a lot of times, they're not used to seeing 100,000 people, you know, sitting in the grandstands and 20,000 people sitting in the infield and on pit Road. So just uh, taking it all in and getting getting a few good memories.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a lot to have, and hopefully we have some good weather to do it. I want to ask you a couple more things. I know I've heard people ask you this before. When you look back at 15 years, going back to 2006 and that part-time schedule, of the trucks of Roush, and then pretty much being double duty, full-time in Cup and X- Xfinity now, and then and then the different ways the career has turned, is there anything that, if you could have just looked back and, been, and had a perfect world, that you would have chosen to do differently, maybe career move-wise, as opposed to as a person?
1: yeah i would have loved to have have ran a full season in the trucks and then a full season in xfinity before i went to the cup series i mean i ran a a partial schedule in the trucks and i went straight full-time cup racing and, and xfinity racing all in the same year uh i don't know of many people that have been a rookie in in both uh the xfinity series and the cup series at the same time so you know i've uh uh, I've looked back, and, and I had to learn on the fly, and, and I was I was fast that, that could go fast, but I didn't know how to race 500 miles, and. You know, I let my confidence get beat up there early on and it took a few years to kind of get that back so I'm grateful that we had a, a patient sponsor in and, and AAA and UPS and let me grow and And even Jack as, as hard as he was on me as a driver and, and me growing up he, he was real patient with me he let me learn he let me make mistakes and so um, that, that's probably the only thing on track I would have just I really needed some more seat time and I needed a good coach uh, I had a great crew chief I had good spotters along but I really needed someone that was in my corner coaching me on a daily basis uh, like some of the young drivers have today so I, I think a good coach is important and uh, you, you can't take any of that stuff back so uh, I've got a lot of good memories but uh, yeah there, there's a couple of things on track that, that I would have uh, made adjustment if, if possible
0: I always found it interesting that at Roush Fenway despite having such big name veteran drivers while you are there like Edwards Kenseth and Biffle and, he, and even me Murray to a certain extent th- that Nobody seemed to really step up and grab the leadership reins. In fact, very famously during your rookie season, and I'm not trying to unpack and look at bad stuff of the past, but there was a rift on that team with Edwards and Kenseth, and I I remember. Uh... I remember drivers, uh, particularly Biffle being very vocal about what was going on there. So do you think that if maybe you say you hadn't replaced Mark Martin, but had him as a teammate, that could have been the coach you were looking for? Is that sort of what you mean? Or yeah,
1: it could have been, but I don't think you can count on other drivers coaching you that they can certainly help you, but the wall. I, yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, you look at William Byron and what he's been able to accomplish in a short amount of time. And Max Pappas is his guy. And I yeah. think, I think that's important. Uh, you know, as good a Tom as good a quarterback as Tom Brady is. He's got a coach you know as good of a- of a swimmer as Michael Phelps is, he's got a coach that works on him and trains him, and mentally and physically. And, and I think that's that's important to have somebody that's an unbiased opinion on your side to uh, to encourage and pump you up. And you can't count on the drivers, you can't count on the the crew chief or the car owner. And and I had great people surround. I had Hall of Famers surrounding me. I didn't ask enough questions, but I, I just I didn't know how to navigate some of that. And uh, I, I think a good coach would have would have done a lot for me
0: do you still look back five years ago at the move to Gibbs as being The right thing to do at that time, when you went and drove that little stint for Kyle Busch, because I feel like you were hamstrung a little bit and what you were able to really accomplish there, knowing that there was another replacement already ready in Eric Jones, and then that was a limited time there.
1: Oh, it was definitely worth all the sacrifice that we went through. Uh, It allowed me to get in a a quality car and kind of you know see where I stood uh, up against the best, and I feel like I fared well. I, I was on par with what. Uh, those other drivers were doing in the cars at at that time and then hopping in the 55 car for MWR gave me a chance to work with some great people and get to know some folks over there and you know I feel like that if if that team wasn't uh, being dissolved at the end of that year I feel like that was a really good group of of guys maybe one of the best teams I've ever worked with so uh, yeah that I I, I think that was all a lot of uh, a lot of hard work and fun and and I got to learn a lot.
0: Now one last question here I'm going to dive into it. I asked your permission beforehand. Anybody listening? Okay. So I'm not pantsing David here with something and trying to trip him up with a gotcha. I've asked a lot of fans about the president coming to the race and NASCAR fan base leans right, but it's certainly not completely all the same color when it comes to politics. Uh, And you've been a little bit vocal politically and even attended a Trump rally right after the 2016 Daytona 500. Do, Do you think with the polarization that exists in America, that it's still okay for the president of any kind to come to the track? And how do you feel personally about President Trump making the trip here tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I I think it's perfectly fine for our uh, dignitaries and represented officials to, you know, attend uh, events and and be there. Uh, You know, I don't like to see things being politicized. Uh, I I don't want to see him give a campaign speech and and talk about policy. I, I think that as Americans, we just need to uh, to enjoy the, the freedoms that we have and appreciate that we live in a, a democracy that, that the people can speak and, and, and vote in their representatives from a local level to state level to the national level. And I, I know that 100% of the people won't uh, agree with Trump's policies, but he is our president, and uh, and I, I think that's great that, that he's attending the, the biggest NASCAR race uh, in the world. Uh, he's been to, I think, the college football national championship and a few of the other big sporting events. And I know President Obama was a was a big sports fan that attended a lot of things. So yeah, I think that's fine for our elected officials to to attend stuff like that. I mean, they, after all, that they are a citizen and, and normal people. You know, I, I think it's okay for him to come out and, and do that. But I, you don't want it to be politicized, which. We live in a world where everything is politicized today, so you, you take that for what it's worth. But personally, uh, I, I do support uh, President Trump and a lot of his policies. Uh, I uh, I don't uh, support some of his rhetoric that he has on social media and some of his uh, antics that he uh, that he has. But I am a fan of a lot of his policy, and I think that's that's good for the working family it's good for me as an american it's good for my kids and hopefully it makes this country safer and so from a policy perspective i'm gonna tell them a good job and keep up the good work and keep america great
0: hey there you go and look you can uh you can maybe suggest you hire jimmy johnson social media guy
1: that's right. It would keep it a
0: little more above approach, huh?
1: Well, I don't think Trump will listen to him a problem. I think he's got qualified people to tell him what's going on in the White House, but, but Trump won't listen to him. So I, I can give him a pass on that, uh, but that's uh, some people can't. But, uh, yeah, I, I wish he would, would stay off uh, Twitter a little bit and, and things would be a little more calm.
0: I hear that from a lot of people that, su- that support what's going on overall. They say that specifically. Well, Dave, right as you were t- you and I were talking about this, a banner with uh, Keep America Great Again, oh, yeah. banner of a uh, plane just passed over. So uh, with that note, we probably ought to let you go get ready for practice. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, David Reagan's been so good to WSB and, and to PRN over the years too. We're glad he was very good to us today. Thank you. All right here with Corey LaJoy, just a couple hours before the Daytona 500, and we're not going to go deep into the time about the race. By the time people hear this, race will be over. So, just want to just want to ask you about you and your outlook for this season, and got a, got a new sponsor on the 500 car. It looks like uh, just how's how Speed Week's been for you, and and how does it set the table for what we had to look for over 36 weeks?
2: Yeah, obviously we've got uh, these new Stewart Haas cars in the shop here, go fast and. Uh, you know, everybody's really hopeful. Um, speed Weeks has been a little, little trying so far. We had to switch to a backup car uh, after the duels for those two guys that were racing in, and we were kind of meeting the sandwich and got our back bumper and quarter panels knocked off of it. So unfortunately, my guys had to uh, switch the backup over to the or to the primary now, uh, which is okay because we know that primary car is the one we had last year at the speed the speedways where. Uh, you know, it finished sixth here in the, in the uh, July race, and it finished seventh in Talladega. So uh, that thing gets around pretty good. Uh, it, it doesn't have quite the speed that primary car does in it, but uh, at least we know it drives well and, and we can uh, race with it.
0: And uh, how, can you explain to fans that don't really know the Stuart Haas relationship? It's not the same as Furniture Row and Joe Gibbs, right? I mean, there's tiers to this thing. Yeah,
2: so more or less we got uh, ten cars. Some of them are from 18, some of them are from 19. Uh, And they're considerably nicer than what we had. We had four to five-year-old Roush cars, um, so it's nicer than that. We get a little bit of help. Um, You know, we don't get we don't get uh, we're on a different engine tier than what Stewart Haas is. So uh, obviously that factors into performance as well. So you do run a different tier, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they run a a package that costs about 95 grand a race, and we run a package that costs about half that. Uh, Have a stroke. It's a lot of money. so it uh it's hard to uh give the partners the return on their investment for being on the race car when you're spending that much uh just for the motor right but that's also what you need to compete for wins and be competitive every week so uh but we have a good little model here with getting the cars driving good and then taking what we have and making the most of it so uh you know it's it's probably the most amount of help go fast has ever had and and they're the nicest cars I've ever driven uh, but uh you know, at the end of the day, it, it's the entire package that makes uh, a team successful.
0: You've had a change in recent months in the leadership of your H team, right? As far as crew chief goes, am I right in saying that? And, yeah. and uh, how did that come about? And how's the new relationship?
2: Yeah, well, we got Ryan Sparks. He was the engineer on the three last year. He came over. Uh, he brings a lot of good ideas and a lot of motivation. And and you know, he's he's got something to prove as well. He's got a chip on his shoulder, just like I do behind the behind the wheel. Uh, so I think we both have. Uh, some incentives to making this 32 car go as fast as possible, right? That way it look makes him look good behind, you know up on top of the box. And, and I look like I know what I'm doing too. So I'm excited to see what uh, we can uh, really do with these newer cars when we get to some of the mile and a half and some of the short tracks where you can really see a difference. But uh, for now it's been uh, it's been fun and I'm excited to get back to work with these guys for the 2020 season.
0: I said, wouldn't ask you about the Daytona 500, but I'm always interested on mornings like this where it, it's both really short, really fast at the same time. There's all these places you have to be. What's a what's a morning of not just any race, but the 500 like for you? This is at least your fourth time in the 500, right?
2: Uh, it's my fourth one. Yep. So it's just busy, I man. You talk to a lot of people. You got a lot of appearances and stuff. You're welcome. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. yeah. Um, you know, and you got all your, your meetings, and and you're constantly talking to people, signing autographs, and obviously this this year. Uh, is a little bit different with Trump coming. Uh, you know, the, the security is is heightened, and uh, it what's takes
0: that a- like for the drivers? That's, the crews had to wait in the same kind of line as the fans did, just yeah. getting into the garage. What do you guys get? Any kind of?
2: No, we don't. I, I had to pass my stuff through the metal detector, just like anybody else. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's heightened. Obviously, that that we got to make sure that guy's safe. That's the leader of the free world. We're out here just making circles. So, uh, hard car can only get you so far, but I'm excited to see what we got today.
0: Well, Corey Joy made headlines last day, last Daytona with the face car, the old spice car. And I thought in July getting baptized too in the Atlantic Ocean was really cool, man. So, your story goes, has many, I know this had a lot of downs, but a lot of ups too. And we wish you a great 2020.
2: I appreciate that. All
0: right. Corey LaJoy, the Raging Bull dot com, number 32, go fast racing Ford.